welcome to Up Close and Virtual with me, Katie Tew. In each episode, I'll be joined by a guest where we'll be chatting about our experience of starting and running a business, the lessons that we've learned along the way. We'll be sharing our top tips and, of course, best practice. Expect to be entertained, enlightened and empowered. Happy listening. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of Up Close and Virtual. This week, I've got a really fab guest who I actually have the pleasure of working with and alongside is the wonderful Susan Wright of Wright VA. Susan and I have been working together since January 2021 um, and are very, very happily ensconced as VAs for two separate CEOs, managing directors of an insolvency practice down in the sort of Kent Croydon area. Susan is also a core ball player and I'm sure we'll come on and talk more about that in due course. Susan really great to have you as a guest this afternoon thank you very much for spending time chatting to me. Hi Katie thank you for the invite I'm very excited about this it should be a lot of fun. (laughs) We have a lot of fun working together so there's no reason why we shouldn't have any fun on this as well. Absolutely absolutely but we do get work done so it's not all fun and games. Yes we do we do we do get a lot of work done and more and more as as the days go by. Um, Susan just before we sort of kick off, what would be really nice is for you to kind of give the listeners a bit of a background about who you are, what you do, and um, kind of how you got to where you are now. Uh, of course. Um, so, since Katie says, um, Susan Wright of the Wright VA. Um, so, my background is private equity. Um, and I kind of stumbled into sort of the secretarial profession, if you like as I had a conversation with my father during A-levels, asking if I'd go to university. I said I would for the social life, but not... <laughs> I, had similar, I had a very similar one. Having yeah. my A-levels, university wasn't an option. <laughs> yeah. When I said to my father that I would go for the social life, but I wasn't going to do any work, he said, well, you're not going. So that was literally just the end of the conversation. So I did a secretarial course for a year, learned to type, and um, as they say, kind of the rest is history. Um and when did you decide to make that transition from being kind of a full-time employee into being a VA? Was there a reason? Was there a like yeah, moment? There was. So um, basically, basically, back into 2008, I got diagnosed with chronic fatigue um, and I was off work for nine months and it took another nine months to get back into full-time work. Gosh. Um, and... In 2015-16, actually it was 2016-17, I had a relapse um, in the October 2016 and I was off sick till the January-February time, at which point um, I was currently working for the NHS and they had a restructure um, Mm -hmm. and we had to reapply for our roles. Um, And the director I was working for at the time, um, I asked if she would like me to reply and she said, I would absolutely love you to be my PA but as a friend it's just not the job for you because it yeah. was just 
relentless and she could see that it wasn't the right role for me yeah. as a friend um even though she said she found it really hard to say so because she just desperately wanted to keep hold of me as her PA um but she so, probably appreciated the impact on your health being more important than her desire to have you as her PA uh, absolutely yeah. being a nurse she was um she was a nurse by trade if you like um moved into management um funny enough she's now back in the the nursing arena um so in 2017 I was kind of beginning to feel um get back to health um and I kind of thought oh I could do a bit of admin from home so 2017 I kind of set up my my business and thought you know this is great if it works it's great if it doesn't well I've built my strength back up I can go and get an employed role um and 2017 was pre-pandemic so the VA industry hadn't really taken off and boomed in the way that it had pre-pre during the pandemic how did you find people's reactions to what you were doing did you set out to be a VA or did you set out on a slightly different path well, I'd never heard of the VA industry. Yeah. So it was only when I attended the PA show in February 2018, yeah. um, because the work I'd done previous to that was through contacts of um, ex-employers and contacts of theirs that I was able to do a bit of admin. Yeah. You know, it, it certainly wasn't paying you know, mortgages or anything like that, but it was bringing a bit of income and it was building yeah. up my strength. Yeah. Um, and confidence, I guess, that you could do it on your own. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um and then when I went to PA show in the eight, in, 20, in February eighteen, mm. um, I kind of found this industry, the virtual assistant industry. I was like, oh wow, yeah. this is kind of you know this was what it was all about. So I then spent twenty eighteen kind of rebranding, getting contracts, yeah. and basically putting all my ducks in a row and getting the foundations in place. Rebranded and then went live again, sort of in the September twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, with a lot of bit more confidence, a yeah. lot more knowledge about the industry. Um, and as I say, having the foundations in place to then build a business as opposed to just doing a bit of admin at home. A bit of freelance PAing and of making that into an official business with a structure. And and did you find that process of actually setting up your business formally a challenge or did you find that quite easy? Had you had experience of setting up businesses in the past? absolutely no experience whatsoever so when I originally set up in 2017 what I did learn in 2018 was that I needed contracts I needed to register with the ICO I needed insurance I had none of that in 2017 um, because it was all completely brand new to me I'd registered with the HMRC but actually other than that that was kind of as what I thought I needed to do yeah so looking back um, you know I spent the summer of 2018 researching um googling and there's so much white noise out there you just need to kind of oh you know who there's so much to read and you you kind of get completely overwhelmed um and actually if I have my time again there are courses out there to do yeah you know one with a lovely oh our lovely Katie um to actually kind of take out that noise and hone in exactly what you need 
not to do the work for you but to kind of say these are this is the contracts you need yeah you go and sort them out and sort whatever you need out yeah. um i so think that's right that- I think there's also an awful lot of i mean and there still is an awful lot of conflicting information out there i mean somebody reached out to me last week saying you know help i'm setting up I've, I've been a VA, but I've just been running myself, you know, very quietly as a sole trader, you know, not, nothing complicated. I've suddenly realized I've got no insurance. So I've been Googling like mad and I still am no clearer as to what insurance I have. Can I have a call with you just to work out what I do and don't need? And it's like, yeah, absolutely. And that was a two minute call. You need this, this and this. Oh, OK, that's easy. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And I think one of the one of the difficulties is, is that no VA are doing the same thing so what what if somebody said to me you need this insurance that all might be well and good for their business but not necessarily for my business um I don't do any bookkeeping so I don't need AML anti-money laundering but somebody that does bookkeeping automatically thinks that that's what you need well actually no I don't so it is again really one of your earlier podcasts actually talking about you need to stay in your own lane do what is right for your business um but again and and you also need to make sure that you keep on top of what's right for your business in whatever it is that you have insurance wise so you need to make sure that your insurance company is up to date if for example you go from not doing bookkeeping to going to doing bookkeeping you just need to make sure that that they're up to date Absolutely. It's like owning your own home. You know, if you have a if you have a three story extension on the back of your house, you need to tell your insurance company. It's a similar thing. If you're running a business and you're adding extra bits onto your business, you need to tell the insurance company. Or likewise, if it's it's sort of the same. You know, if you have a car and you all of a sudden you've got an extension on the back of your car and you've got six wheels, well, you need to tell the insurance. You need to tell the insurance (laughs) company. So in there lies the tell your insurance company everything. What what have you kind of found personally kind of most rewarding? Having set up your own business, you're established now, you've got lots of clients. What what do you find the kind of most rewarding thing about having your own business? From being well, I'm actually very proud of how far I've come because I've actually done it all on my own without training courses. It's kind of so I'm actually really quite proud of how far I've come on my own. Um of myself massive achievement that is a massive achievement to do something like that entirely on your own is with kind of no experience because actually in the corporate world I didn't really get involved in the back end of the business I was just always the doer not sort of anything else (laughs) um and and the other thing that actually I it sounds really odd it's like having a to-do list to come to in the morning where because that means that my business is busy and I've got clients that are busy where in the early days I had a to-do list that was done by mid-afternoon. Yeah. And I could sit down at four o'clock and watch the tipping points and this, that, and the other. <laughs> but now, <laughs> but now that you know, the to-do list is never ending, which to me is so rewarding that actually my clients believe in me that I'm doing right because I've got the things to do. Um, but one of the, I guess, the main things of the rewarding of setting up my own business is actually being able to work from home, yeah. that my health has improved quite a lot. Because even though some days I'm, I still struggle most some days to get out of bed in the morning and I don't know from one day to the next. Mm-hmm. But running my own business from home, I, I lost count the amount of days I've come to work without brushing my hair, brushing my teeth, getting dressed or anything like that. Yeah. But yet my clients 
work will still get done, what needs to get done on the, the deadlines are met. Um, and do you find that you, when you engage with a client from day one, are you very honest about your availability and the potential impact of having your chronic fatigue has on being available? Yes and no. I always tell my clients I've got it because actually it's not fair on them mm. if I don't. Um, and actually it's nothing to be ashamed of. It is what no. it is. And, um, you know, it, it, it's fine. Um, but I haven't yet touched wood had it impacted the business, as I say, because my deadlines have always been met. Mm. I haven't yet had a, a sort of a relapse is bad that I can't get to work, even if I'm having a bad day or week, mm. the work will still get done. Yeah. yeah. Um, it also so, makes that relationship much more sort of transparent, I guess. And you probably feel happier knowing that you can lay your cards on the table from the outset. Yeah, absolutely. Internalising or stressing about it. So that might even have an impact on you not relapsing. Absolutely. And I think also because I'm, when I was employed, you have to kind of phone by six o'clock in the morning if you're going to phone in six. Uh, and invariably at six o'clock in the morning, by 10 o'clock, you're feeling a lot better. And then you kind of think, oh, I feel a bit before not going to work. But yeah. working for my own, it's it, that is to completely taken out of the equation. So it's, um yeah, it's much better for me health-wise to work from home for myself and my clients. Yeah, no. And, and I have to tell you, the lovely listeners out there, I, I I work with lots of people and lots of VAs. Susan has one of the most dynamic um, out of office um, kind of lifestyles. She not only plays core fall, and you're going to have to explain about the core fall thing because nobody's going to know. She also plays netball. So, you know, this is a lady who doesn't sit on her backside doing nothing at all by any stretch of the imagination. So come on, tell us about core fall. Um, so Corfu, in, in fact, I'm just going to hold you hold fire there because actually this weekend I'm going to set up, I do jigsaws. So when I'm feeling a little bit tired, I do jigsaws because it actually stops me doing the housework. All the other things that you do, doing a jigsaw takes out that sort of, it, it helps me relax, um, relax a little bit more. Um, but yeah, so playing it all sort of twice a week, Corfu has been start up again, train on a Thursday, play on a Sunday. Um Corfball is a Dutch sport. It was invented in the early 1900s by a school teacher out in Holland who had a mixed gender class and wanted a sport that they could all play together. Okay. So it's the world's only truly mixed gender sport. So it's a it's a team sport of four boys, four girls. Yeah. Um, and it's very similar to netball and basketball. So it's a throwing and a movement moving game and you pass yeah. to your teammates um and yeah you you have mixed hockey you have mixed badminton you have mixed team sports but you can only you can't play with sort of more boys or more girls you have to have a, an equal, equal mix equal mix of four boys four girls brilliant i'm gonna have to come and watch you one day i'm definitely yeah. gonna have to come and watch you one day um you, you, you've triggered an, an, an interest and enthusiasm that's not um usual for me because i'm not really sport oriented <laughs> at all <laughs> yeah it's um it's just something I've done since my parents played it and it's just something I've done since school 
like oh, brilliant. and I never um, until I met you and we started chatting I had never ever come across it before so I've de- definitely ne- learned something so thank yeah. you have you niched with your business Susan or are you just kind of everybody in anything um kind of any, anybody in anything but there are sort of um I think niching is, is a diff- is a difficult one yeah you either different ways of looking at it I think niching um you either know your niche straight off yeah but actually if you're struggling to find your niche park it your niche will find you yeah I agree with that it might be in six months it might be in six years but your niche will find you and I guess my niche is probably slightly old school Mm -hmm. um I don't do much of the new tech stuff I don't do social media yeah so all the I guess the new new stuff is more um I'll leave that to the youngsters I'm more old school and traditional I guess (laughs) it's really interesting I think niching has become um almost fashionable um of late and I think those of us who've been doing this sort of VA role for a wee while um are a little less geared toward it um and I know I certainly have never leashed and I have been lucky enough to have some fantastic clients largely corporate some private house but I've never I've never actually gone down that route to focus on on niching because you know the variety was kind of one of the things that really attracted me to running my business and and having lots of different sort of aspects and different clients and industries and all that sort of thing but it has become very fashionable but I think you're right you need to get up and running learn where your strengths lie and then if there is an obvious route to niching that is really drawing you in, then go for it. Um, but I think, you know, get up, get running, know who you are, know how you work, know, know where your skills lie and then think about it from there. Uh, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I, it was a couple of years ago that I met a, a new VA and she was coming into the industry, you know, um, sparkly, bright eyed and her background was actually building wordpress websites so she's like well i can add that into my my sort of my work and my offering my services but actually that's now all she does yes yeah which is absolutely great you know so she's all that while she's niching up website um design and creation the actual sectors that she works with are very different so actually in that respect while she has niched in website design the the sectors are very varied so therefore she gets her variety from from building different websites Um, and I think it's that other thing isn't it it's your happiest and delivering the highest quality work when you're doing something that you know and are confident in we all struggle and ultimately the output is slightly compromised when we do stuff that we're not sure about Uh, Absolutely. I was asked by a client um, to write a blog and blogs are just not my forte. Writing in any stretch is not my forte. And I said, yes, I'm happy to do it on the proviso. You realise this is not my strength, but I'll give it a go. Um, It never got it never saw the light of day. Yeah, but you you already knew, knew that that wasn't your strength. So, you know, it, it was almost certainly never going to go any further because you wouldn't have pushed it because it, you would have been pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, potentially. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I, whilst I do my own blogs, which they're not great, but they're sort of part and parcel of don't, running a business, I think. But yeah, so I think niching, it, yeah, it will find you if it's if you have a niche. If not, then just stick to what you're good at because that's ultimate, ultimately, as you say, what, what you'll enjoy. And if you find something that you enjoy, as they say, you'll never work again. Exactly. Come on then. So give us a glimpse into the day in the life of Susan Wright and Wright VA. Gosh, um, it's looking at the, yeah, I, you come in in the morning, log on um, and look at sort of skim through each of the client's mailboxes yes. to see kind yeah. of what's coming yeah. overnight. Yeah. Um, don't action anything there and then. You can just see what's in, look at your to-do list, see what sort of like, what's urgent what's coming what's you know what deadline is first regardless of the client what deadline is first mm. and then crack on with that yeah. um and then sort of just clear the emails <laughs> down um and then move on to the next client and then once everybody's emails are cleared and updated and sorted it's kind of then moving on to the next deadline do you block time in your schedule to do sort of specific things or do you just kind of let the day roll and see where it takes you no very very fluid very fluid because actually if you block time out and something happens the phone rings by 10 o'clock it's out the window and that will just stress me out too much I'm like so I'm more um reactive proactive in terms of deadlines and what the clients need it's not if one client is particularly busy over another client well, they get the lion's share of the day. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, but as long as all the deadlines do, are met. Yeah, I, I think it is. I think we are all very deadline driven. I think I do try quite hard to block that sort of mid-morning and mid-afternoon to do what I would call the sort of more project-based work so that I can kind of leave the inboxes to one side. I can put do not disturb on my phone. Partly because also if I don't do that, I find the the, the the sort of concentration element in my head gets completely haywire. So it, and I guess I probably do that five days a week um, rather than so that I have I know that I've got that time available to do it but otherwise I am also very like you the email tends to dictate what needs doing I suppose because the majority of my work is mainly diary management which is quite I don't have very many projects on the go I might sort of be organizing events or this that and the other so again they're almost oh yeah by the way Susan is events queen I have never worked with anyone who can organize an event as well as this lady can she when she when she gets involved in an event her attention to detail is extraordinary I and the questions that she asks of me when we've done events together I'm like I've got no idea anyway over to you Susan um, <laughs> I mean, seriously if anybody wanted just an events VA you would be the queen of it I mean there is nothing that is a stone left unturned perhaps i should niche down into uh, (laughs) okay so that conversation about niching has now gone out of the way susan is managing in events (laughs) um so yeah so i don't tend to block book because as i say i think most of my work is more diary management and if i am doing projects 
such as events things then that is inbox driven because the responses and I need responses or things have come in or I need to ask questions outside um so it is kind of more block in terms I block out kind of chunks for particular clients to make sure that like that work is now up to date I can't do any more with that let's move on to the next client yeah. where are they at let's do some work for them mm-hmm. um and I mean there is one particular client that I do need to block out because um they kind of tend to be slightly down the pecking order for no other reason than the fact it's just the way it sometimes you know the cookie yeah. crumbles sometimes yeah, it does. um and then I have to kind of make sure that actually I need to prioritize them yeah one particular day because otherwise another week goes past you're like oh I've not done that particular work for them and or whatever it may be so um and sometimes it's those that shout the loudest Yes. Yeah. I, I think that that is never a true word spoken. I think that is very true. Um, it can very definitely fall to that. I think talking about that sort of reactionary thing, have you got one of those dreaded stories of, of the sort of, you know, client that's asking you to, you know, send stones <laughs> to the Eskimos um, you know, and it needs to be done yesterday um, and you also need to send 400 penguins with it? Actually, I do. So, yeah, 20, <laughs> 20, 2021, um, we are in still lockdown. Yeah. Um, a particular client wants to organise a Christmas dinner. Um, right. There's 15 of us. Um, we need a variety of dietary requirements. Yep. We need a variety of, we want a restaurant in central london yeah just just to to clarify this this is in the height of lockdown so restaurants aren't open yeah okay yeah okay yeah keep Um, keep going (laughs) yeah yeah uh i hope it's fairly long so so restaurant um we need something that's quirky that's fun that's quiet that has atmosphere oh oh yeah (laughs) it's in central london that's not too expensive oh actually if we can have a view that'd be awesome okay <laughs> right okay so find somewhere particular in central london mm-hmm. all booked up and it was kind of early in mid-november we decided to cancel because of the covid and industry and what have you so we cancelled it fine no problem whatsoever we'll move it to 2022 i then revert back saying no problem it's all cancelled would you like to send the um colleagues associates let's call them a bottle just to sort of say for christmas no 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 we'll do something in the new year okay you sure yeah no we'll do it all in the new year probably about the 16th of december oh no yeah i think we'd quite like to buy everybody a bottle of champagne boxed can you organize that of course who do you want to send it to oh not sure Okay, here's the list. So I was searching my usual suspects of places to buy boxed bottles of champagne. Mm. Completely sold out. Yeah. So the bottles I did end up spending and sending were double the price I could have got in November. Oh. And the delivery was the following day was more, almost more than the bottle itself because it was like two days before Christmas. And I didn't know everybody's address. <laughs> so, but, but you did it 
everybody got their bottle. Everybody got their bottle before yeah. Christmas. Yeah. That that's miracle working, quite frankly. I think yeah. that really is miracle working. That's, that's and it was, it was it was nearly Susan the elf in the cart <laughs> driving around delivering. <laughs> But um, so yeah, so you you can you can be the best organised VA in the whole world, world. Um, and yeah, it's uh, until other people get on board, it's uh, with the best will in the world. Absolutely. It's not always possible. Yeah, you cannot control everything, unfortunately, but you do need to be able to react to it and yeah. deliver on it. If you were to give one piece of advice to someone who is just at that point of I think this is right for me. I quite like to give it a go. Starting their VA business, what what piece of advice would you share? Um, do it. You will never look back. Yeah. Um, but just be mindful that the highs are really high and the lows are really low. Mm-hmm. So what, if you can ride you those, low, what what were the lows for you? Um, I guess when a client's not happy yeah or when you kind of haven't done what they were expecting so it's kind of slight miscommunication or um you kind of not sure what you're you kind of not done something right or you get that crisis of confidence that because we work on our own yeah absolutely absolutely crisis of confidence I I'm really not good at I, I know I'm good at what I do but I'm not very good at telling people I'm good at what I do and if something goes slightly wrong you don't have someone going actually you are very good at what you do um so the highs are very high and the lows are very low because you are on your own and you're playing with your mind monkeys um but actually if you can ride those storms Mm. slightly somewhere don't get too giddy when it's really exciting and you know just don't worry too much if it's a bit low but if you can try and settle in the middle um then you will do well yeah have you Um, got any top tips for anybody who's managing multiple clients because i know you've got clients yeah i do have multiple clients and the way that i look at it i i kind of i suppose i'm quite lucky in my corporate world i would always apart from when i was at the nhs i'd always had lots of different directors i was looking after so i kind of treat a client as a different director so yes yeah. it's I kind of juggle um each particular client and I I also have a um a notepad per client yeah so that when I'm working on that particular client everything is in that notebook I'm not thinking oh is that that client that which client is that note related to that notepad is always just that one particular client um I have a, a google profile for each client yeah um and I indicate them with the client's color with their corporate colors yeah so so one particular client is blue so everything i have with that particular client a blue notepad another you know um plastic folders have got blue trims on them everything to do with that client is blue so i know that that, that instantly it's all recognizable yeah 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 um so each client is color-coded if you like yeah um with their own notepad um and yeah, I just treat each client exactly the same as as each of the other clients as yeah. they are. Yeah. And um, where do you see your business in five years' time? Um, hopefully with re- reduced hours. Yes. 
I have um, this, if any of my clients are listening, um, I've been trying since beginning of 2021 to go to a nine day fortnight, yeah. which basically means having a day off every fortnight. Yeah. Um, we're now October 2022 and I'm still working on that basis. Um, so maybe down to three, four days a week would be nice. Yeah. And you're not allowed to go on holiday again. <laughs> yes. That's, um, that's, yeah. Susan and I, as we work together, obviously we step into each other's shoes as and when the other one is away. Um, and I've had an experience of Susan being away and I've now banned her from taking extended holiday of any description whatsoever, ever. Well, all I can say in my defense was, yes, I did take three weeks away in <laughs> September. Um, but that was probably my first holiday that I've not taken laptops, notepads and pens with me, probably since 2017, in all honesty, or 20, maybe 2018. Um, we're making so, up for it now by piling her with loads and loads of work. Anyway, I'd love her to pieces. Do you feel supported by the virtual assistant community? Oh, absolutely. It's it's um, I, I feel like the VA community it's collaborative I also feel like they're my colleagues mm. so they get it if you ask a silly question I mean there's never ever a silly question no. because if you need to ask a question you need to ask a question but no matter how silly you think it is somebody else has been there done it got the t-shirt and can answer and help you um or if you're having a bad day or if you're having a good day the community get it and they understand it and they will celebrate your wins with you and they'll help you lift you up if you're having a bad day and what have you so if people go out there and think oh god it's t- there's hundreds of VAs I'm never going to get it's it's nonsense yeah. um I mean I say to an awful lot of people that if you're in a network group and there's like 10 VAs in the room celebrate the fact because actually each of you 10 VAs will have different skill sets if you have I couldn't you agree with you more. Yeah, yeah, if you have the same skill set, I bet each of you will be looking for different clients. Somebody may be looking for legal, somebody may be looking for finance, coaches, whatever. Um, and then actually, if you've all got the same skill set and you're all looking for finance clients, you'll have different personalities. Absolutely. So for, from that perspective, you need to embrace other VAs in your network groups or your circle um, because you can certainly work together and help each other out rather than being, oh, that's competition. And I also think from a business point of view, you know, actually feel really positive about the fact that there are a, a number of VAs in your area who are at that networking event. It proves that there's a demand for them. So, you know, oh, absolutely. And there is so much business out there. You know, there is never any reason for you to fear com- competition. It's a good thing. It makes you very much more sharp in terms of who you are, knowing things like your elevator pitch off back of your hand and being able to stand up and do your one minute presentation. You know, those those are really good elements to secure in terms of nailing your competition. So I think, you know, never fear it, embrace it and go with it. Absolutely. Talking of elevator pitch, I've got my network group tomorrow and I have no idea what I'm talking about tomorrow, but there we go. That's a different conversation. Ah, that'll be another <laughs> off the cuff remark that we'll sort of launch into. Are you, yeah. when you do, I'd forgotten that. Of course, you run um, BNI networking events, don't you? It's not BNI, it's Spotly Business Network. So it's an independent, not for profit, um, no membership group 
Um, and I, yeah, I do have a few clients that have come from there actually. And when you network, um, I'm going to go slightly off a of VA industry, but general networking hmm. um, as a whole, when you network and you're starting out networking, it's you don't go into the room to expect clients straight off. It's a slow burner. People need to get to know, like, and trust you. Um, and invariably, you don't go to the network group to get business out of that room. Yeah. You don't know who people in that room have connections with. Um, and it, But you do need to kind of go out and find your tribe and your network group. And when you find a group, that you kind of fit in well with with their values or their personalities, then you need to stick with that and engage and um, and connect. Um, yeah, and that's, and and... For any of the listeners out there, um, I, what I'll do is I'll ask Susan to share her network details as well so that if anybody is based in the Bromley area and would like to join the networking, um, then you've got the information to to reach out to Susan to do that uh, all of her contact details will be in the show notes anyway so um you know you'll be able to reach out to her directly that's for sure Susan thank you thank you, thank you Katie it's been awesome lovely chatting to you and um, always lovely yeah. chatting to you we managed to keep it roughly within the um time allotment as well which is unusual for us <laughs> it is unusual but um no thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast it's a very honor thank you our absolute pleasure thank you so so much thank you so much for listening please don't forget to follow me and my guests on our social channels all the details will be in the show notes and please get in touch if you have any questions or topics that you might like to have covered in the next episodes or even if you would like to be a guest yourself.